Good morning and welcome to Agape Methodist Church Devotion Podcast. Today's Monday. And Monday's usually the day when I most desperately need God to be with me. It's back to the daily grind, back to work and back to school. It's sometimes very difficult. And so before we begin our devotions, let me, let me remind you of one of the prayers that I taught you on Friday. And this is the prayer to ask God to help us to love those around us. When you get to office, you may meet a colleague who, whom you can't stand, a colleague who has always been irritating to you. Well, when you look at that colleague or that classmate or that teacher or that boss, or it could be someone in your family, could you then pray to God and say, God, help me to love this person. Open my eyes to see what you see in that person and help me to love. And as you go on throughout the day, as you meet different people, there will be people whom you like a lot, there will be people whom you really can't stand. At these times, pray again, God, help me to love. Well then, now let's start with our Bible passage for today, Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 to 22. Let's pray. Father, help me to understand your word. Let the truth of your word not only change the way I think, but change my heart as well, the way I feel. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 to 22. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left the nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee preparing the nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat, and their father, and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Jesus went out to look for disciples. He didn't just look for people who would do the work for him. He knew that people who, whom he chose would be raw would be far from being useful to him. But he chose them with a view to what, how they could change, how they could, in the end, really be the ones who would carry on his work. We want to look at the lives of two of these four persons, and I've decided to choose Simon Peter and John. They're the two more prominent ones among these four. Andrew, there was something said about him, James also something said about him. But for Peter and John, a lot was said. As we look at their lives, perhaps it will give us some insights into how God chose them. Maybe we won't understand that, but to look at their beginnings and see what Jesus did to and for them. Let's look at first at Peter. Peter, I would say, was impetuous. He was perhaps unstable unreliable. He's the kind of person who sees himself in better light than he really is. 
or as some of us would describe many people, many of those we know, he promises far more than he can deliver. Peter at one point told Jesus that he would lay down his life for Jesus. And yet at the end of it all, as Jesus was about to be crucified, when he was pushed into a corner, Peter denied Jesus three times, each time saying, I don't know that man. He defended himself and denied Jesus very vehemently. And then again, he he was, among all the disciples, the most insightful one. He, When Jesus asked the disciples, who do you think I am? Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter had insights as to who Jesus was. And yet, in the same breath, he then, when Jesus said, the Son of Man will be delivered to his enemies and crucified, Peter rebuked him and said, that will never happen. Recognizing first that Jesus is the Son of God and then immediately scolding the Son of God and saying, what rubbish are you talking about? Well, that was Peter. And though Peter changed a lot after the resurrection, he had not changed completely. Remember that day, that moment when Jesus was at the lake and Jesus called Peter to him and asked Peter, Peter, do you love me more than these? And Peter said, of course, Jesus, I love you more than any of these things. Peter again expressed his commitment and his love for Jesus. And yet, later on, after Jesus had ascended, as Peter and the apostles had been sent out, in Galatians chapter 2, Paul relates an incident with Peter. He said that before certain Jews from James, these were the important Jews, the rulers of the church, the leaders of the church. Before they came, Peter was eating with Gentiles and receiving them. And yet when these pious leaders, Christian leaders came, Peter withdrew from the Gentiles before, because he was afraid of those who might judge him. Peter was still not completely changed. Even after he had received the Holy Spirit, he was preaching with power. There were moments of weakness. But one of the most significant things I see about Peter was that Jesus saw way beyond all of Peter's faults, present and future. Jesus called Peter the rock, firm foundation, the rock. Now this is hardly a description we would use to describe someone like Peter. We would probably say that Peter was flaky, People, Peter was not leadership material. Peter, in the end, had a weakness, and that was that he was a coward. But Jesus saw Peter differently. Jesus saw Peter as the rock, somewhat contradictory at the time when he named Peter. And yet he saw what Peter could be. At the end of Peter's life, he chose, he opted to be crucified upside down. He was no longer afraid. He turned his face to Jerusalem when he should have fled Jerusalem. But no longer was he going to deny his Lord. Jesus 
had it right. He saw in Peter something that no one else could see. We now look at John. John was called, and his brother James were called the sons of thunder. That doesn't mean that their father was thunder. Rather, it was more a description of their personality, of their character. They were explosive. There was a moment when Jesus and the disciples went past the Samaritan village. People rejected them. And John asked Jesus, Can I then, can, shall we now call upon God to bring down fire and destroy this village? John was destructive, he was violent, he was angry. Indeed, he was a son of thunder. Who would have thought that this, that this John would change? John wasn't just an angry man. James and John were also ambitious. Towards the end of Jesus' life, his mother, their mother, and one would assume then that it was with their consent or that they actually wanted their mother to influence Jesus, went up to Jesus and said, Can you grant each of these two my sons, one to your right, one to your left? All this time when Jesus had been teaching his disciples to love, to care for others, to be generous. And none of these seem to have entered John's mind. Of all times, when Jesus was to be crucified, John and James would go approach Jesus and say, Would you allow me and my brother to be on your left, to sit on your left and on your right? How dumb, how impervious could these numbskulls be? And yet when we look at much years later, this selfish, angry, violent man, who even towards Jesus's, the end of Jesus' ministry had not changed very much, this man, John, became the apostle of love. Of all things, he could have been the apostle of strength, the apostle of perseverance, but instead he saw God's love and his life was transformed by the love of God. Later on, as he wrote his epistles of John, these epistles talk so much about the love of God, about the love for one another. John had been completely transformed by Jesus. Do we judge people, judge ourselves, judge others too quickly? Do we look at people and say, this one, very little hope. This one, maybe have hope until we find out what they're like and then we are disappointed and we say, this one also, no hope. Do we judge ourselves and others too quickly? Or should we not allow God to see into the future, to see what we will be like when he has done his work in our lives. Jesus chose his apostles, his disciples, not for what he could see, all the talents and all the goodness and all the virtues at the moment. He didn't see them as people whom he could use right away. He saw them with all their flaws. One would hardly have wanted Peter to stand up for him after his 
return to heaven, would Peter be able to stand all the persecution? Would John be able to teach love rather than hatred and anger and violence and destruction? These two were most unlikely to succeed. And yet Jesus chose them because he saw what they could be in the future. But the next question I want to ask is this, about these four who left everything and they followed Jesus. See, the Bible tells us that there were many others who followed Jesus. They hung on to all his rallies. Whenever he preached, they would run to him. They would go miles and miles just to listen to him preach and allow him to minister. Jesus loved every one of them. He did not turn anyone away. Whoever wanted to come near him, he received them. But these four were different. They didn't just run to him because they wanted him to minister to them. They ran to him, they went to him because they wanted to be with him and to learn life from him. One would say that these four had realized that they have nothing to lose. They left their boats, they left their nets. They realized that Jesus was offering them something far more than what they had, what they could ever have. And they followed him. I want us to think about this. Nothing to lose. These four had nothing to lose when they left all to follow him. You know, one of the things that we I used to fear so much was saying to God, God, have it your way. Have your own way in my life. It terrified me to think of this prayer. Because whenever I thought of God having his way in my life or God holding my life in his hands, I would think of God maybe causing tragedies to happen to me, calling me to think, do things and to places that I hated, calling me to a life of misery. And I was very scared of praying that prayer. Until I came to a point when I realized I had nothing to lose. See, I was in the university then and serving actively in church. Superficially then, by all accounts, I was a very good Christian. I was a budding, upcoming Christian leader. But inside, I felt so different. I realized that there were thoughts, there were actions, there were words that were filled with sin. And that if anyone were to ever find out my double life, I would no longer be a leader. But more than that, I've lived with a lot of guilt and shame. I felt this burden of being a sinful Christian. But I had another problem that was about my future. Once again, on the outside, it looked like I was successful. I was a law student, going to be a lawyer. Successful, nothing to worry. But I was wracked with anxiety and fear. I feared for about the uncertainty of life. What would happen if after graduation, I couldn't get a job? Or worse than that, I couldn't get a job that was as prestigious as I had dreamt I would, I would have. And I was always wrecked by anxiety. 
life was difficult. One day I met someone who told me a story, his story. He had given his life to Jesus and he had told Jesus, Lord, take all of my life, have full control of my life. This man was going through a very, very difficult time. I shan't go into the details, but he was facing a life of failure. And yet he said every morning when he woke up, he was full of peace, he was full of joy. It was as though what Jesus had said, I came to give you life, that you may have life and that you may have it abundantly, was so true in his life. After the conversation, I ran to my room, fell on my knees and cried and cried to God. And I said, God, this is exactly what I want. It's not a great future. It's not a fame or fortune that I want. It's simply peace of mind, simply a life where I can feel secure, feel at peace, have a full life. And then I said the prayer that I always feared. I said, God, take my life, take full control of my life. <laughs> that night as I prayed, I fell into deep sleep and I had two dreams. I never had such dreams before, but these were the two dreams. In the first dream, I saw myself at a big garden party. <clears throat> well, it wasn't exactly that I was in at the party. <clears throat> there was a big garden party inside the compounds of that house. The best food, the best company. <clears throat> but I was outside the gate, going through the garbage cans, looking for scraps, rotten food, leftovers. The gate was wide open, and the guests inside were calling to me and said, saying, Mingli, you have been invited. Come and enjoy yourself. But there I was, miserably going through the dustbins, looking for the worst food ever. And then, all of a sudden, I came to my senses. I looked inside and I looked at what I was doing and wondered why I was so stupid. And then, I walked through the gate into the garden party. In the second dream, I saw myself in the middle of a huge storm, a terrifying storm, and yet I felt so at peace, so secure. And then as the view panned out, I saw the reason why I was cupped in God's hands. And though there was a raging storm outside, I felt so safe in God's hands. I wonder if you feel like you are eating scraps too. That though you have said the sinner's prayer, that you know that you are a Christian, you know that you have been invited to this life of abundance, that you are still outside holding on to your trash cans, holding on to the life you are living. I'm not saying then that you leave it right away. It's a little different from when Jesus called the disciples because Jesus had three years to train them. God may have different plans for us. Stay put, but in your heart say to God, God, I am willing to do as you need. I place my life in your hands. And as you say that, then God will have full control of your life and he will bring you through 
place of abundance, place of joy. There will of course be difficult times, but even through these difficult times, you know that your life is in God's hands and He will give you life and let you have it abundantly. I would like to sing a song. It's entitled, Just As I Am. I'm sure many of you are familiar with this song. But let me first read the lyrics so that if you can't hear my voice, my lyrics later as I sing, at least you know what this hymn is about. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou did bids me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. Just as I am, though tossed about with many a conflict, many a doubt, fighting and fears within, without, O Lamb of God, I come. Just as I am in waiting not to rid my soul of one dark blot, to thee whose blood can cleanse each spot, O Lamb of God, I come. Just as I am poor, wretched, blind, sight riches, healing of the mind, yea, all I need in thee to find, O Lamb of God, I come. Just as I am, thou wilt receive, wilt welcome, pardon, cleanse, relief, because thy promise I believe, O Lamb of God, I come. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. Just as I am, though tossed about with many a conflict, many a doubt, fighting and fears within without Promise 
Father, thank you that we, you see the buds and the fruit in us, even when all that we produce is nothing and barren. Thank you that you see beauty in us, when all we see of ourselves and all others see of us is ugliness and sin and anger and destruction and unreliability when nothing good can be seen in us, only our failures, you see hope and you see goodness. Father, open our eyes to see what you see of each of us. Open my eyes to see what you see of me, that despite all my failings, despite all my faults, despite my sinfulness, you see goodness and hope for me. But Father, help me to see others in the same, with the same eyes as well. That those I would write off, help me to have a second look and this time to see with your eyes what your love, what your power can do to them and for them. That I may be patient with them even as you have been patient with me and I may see the work that you can do in them but Father I look at my life too I look at the uncertainties in my life the struggles in my life and God before me I see your promise that says that you have come that we may have life and that we may have it abundantly Father, open the hearts, the minds of each of my brothers and sisters that they may see what you have promised and that each one may know that they have nothing to lose to follow you. That we may be able to say to you, God, I place my life in your hands. Do to me as you will because I can find no better hands than yours. Father, open us, our minds and our hearts, to respond to you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hope that you have a very good day and a very good week. God bless you.